Help me to simply respond to you with the knobs on my side of the wall. I can't control everything, but there are certain things that I have responsibility for. And Lord, I want to tune those knobs for the frequency of your kingdom. I want with the best within my ability to abide in you, Jesus, to be rooted in you. Because if I am rooted in you, Jesus, I know that the life of your kingdom will be part of my life. But he doesn't make it and impose it on us. He invites us to respond to him. Part of living for Jesus includes him directing your steps, but there's some responsibility that falls on you as well. Pastor Daniel invites you to respond to what Jesus is doing around you everywhere you look. As you stay connected to and live for Jesus, you'll begin to see the world as he sees it. You'll find the places he's inviting you to participate. Pastor Daniel will urge you today to jump into the work of Jesus and make a difference. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in Romans chapter 11 as he continues his message, This Story Continues. Verse 15, it says, For if they, or if their being cast away is the reconciling of the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Now, you notice that line. He's saying, if them rejecting Jesus, them being cast away, becomes God's plan to reconcile all the nations. And then he says, what would their acceptance be but life from the dead? So Paul has been like kind of teasing us. He's like, look, God's purpose for the Jewish people is not complete yet. But the first step is that God wants the faith of the Gentiles, of which the Roman church was a part to be something that provokes the Jewish people to jealousy. Oh, look. Look at them being partakers of all these promises. Look at that. Now, from there, the Apostle Paul says something else. And I think this is super important for us. It says this, verse 16. For if the first fruit is holy, the lump is also holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. And if some of the branches were broken off, and you being a wild olive tree were grafted in among them and with them became a partaker of the root and fatness of the olive tree. Do not boast against the branches, but if you do boast, remember that you do not support the root. The root supports you. You will say then branches were broken off that I might be grafted in. Well said, because of unbelief they were broken off and You stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he may not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but towards you goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you also will be cut off. But they also, if they do not continue in unbelief, They will be grafted in, for God is able to graft them in again. For if you are cut off of the olive tree, which is wild by nature, and were grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these who are natural branches be grafted into their own olive tree? Now, 
You see, the Apostle Paul is using a picture from an olive tree. Now, obviously, if you go to Israel, olives are one of the main commodities that they have there. You know, uh, in a lot of ways, just across the Mediterranean is, is the motherland for me, Italy. And obviously, we're well known for our olive trees and our olive oil. You know, you know, if you're going into a store and you want to buy olive oil, you look for it, whichever one ends in an O is the title. Which is how you know this is Italian olive oil, right? And so the idea is Paul's using an analogy from an olive tree. And he's using the difference between a wild olive tree and a cultivated olive tree, right? Now, in the analogy, Israel is the cultivated olive tree. And if you remember, all through the scriptures, God uses this picture of the children of Israel as a vineyard. And him, he's the vine dresser. So he's keeping a vineyard. That was a very common analogy, the idea is, is you have this olive tree, and it was, a, it was a common picture. And the children of Israel, they were a cultivated olive tree. But he's saying, but the Gentiles, they were wild olives. Now, if anyone here is Jewish, you are cultivated. So you got straight cultivation going on. But, but the idea here is that Paul is reminding the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people who believe in Jesus, he's reminding them of something very important. And here's the principle that I want to give you. It's simply this, that you and I, we need to be careful to abide. We need to be careful to abide. Because in essence, what the apostle Paul is saying is that the Jewish people, although they are the the root, they are part of the cultivated olive tree of the children of Israel, their failure to believe in Jesus caused them no longer to be able to abide. And for the Gentile believers, the non-Jewish believers who put their faith in Jesus, even though they hadn't been part of that cultivated vine, they are now a wild olive branch that has been grafted into it. Right? And so the idea for us is we need to make sure that we are careful to abide. Because if you do not abide, what happens is, is you end up getting cut off from the tree. And it's a very simple, simple analogy. And you all know, if you've read your Bible at all, this all speaks to uh, John chapter 15, right? Where Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. And he who abides in me and I in him, that person will bear fruit. But he who does not abide will be, you know, taken away and thrown out. You know, as we are coming through, you know, those seasons where we get high winds where we live, you know, when a, when a branch falls off the tree, no matter how big of a branch, no matter how sturdy it was, once the branch is detached from the trunk, from the root, it has no access to life or nourishment and it begins to shrivel up. And in the exact same way, a human being, you or I, no matter where you are on your faith journey, when you are detached from Jesus, when you are not abiding in Christ, when you are not deriving your life from him, you're not deriving the spiritual vitality that comes from Christ. Although you may be alive, you are actually slowly withering away. And I think many of you right now, like that's where you are right now, where you're like, you're starting to feel like I'm starting to wither. Like, I'm just starting to get crispy. I'm starting to feel like that vitality is being sucked out of my life. And whenever I feel that way, because, listen, we're all human, and and I don't know that anybody except for Jesus perfectly abides, right? And so sometimes I have to notice, like, Lord, where am I not abiding in you? Where am I not trusting in you? Lord, where am I not finding my hope in you or my my life in you? And I have a. it's amazing how circumstances can kind of pull us in that direction where you start to look to other things, you start focusing on other things. You get your attention to wander here, there, or this other place. And then you have to come back and say, Lord, will you help me to abide with you here? Like, I found that the places where I feel anxious is because it's a question of abiding for me. 
Am I trusting Jesus with my future in the same way I trust with him in my past? Am I able to trust Jesus in my present circumstances and hope in him just the way he did all these other things in my life? Or the thing that convicts me the most is when I realize I have a lot of faith for other people, but not all that much faith for myself. Do you ever notice that someone comes to you and they got something going on and you're just like, oh man, you got to trust the Lord and man, God's so good. Look at all he's done in your life. You know what I mean? And you start testifying to them, you know, in love, you're just building them up. And those people are starting to get a little smile on their face. Like, oh yeah, God has done a lot in my life and he's, his, his work is not yet finished. And oh yeah, God is so good. And then you walk away and you're like, I need to do that for myself right now. <laughs> right? But we got to be careful to abide because what the apostle Paul is saying here is he's saying that really what's gone on is the Gentiles as part of the family of God is a wild branch that's been grafted in because of our faith in Jesus. And he's saying, but guess what? If you don't keep abiding just the way the children of Israel were set aside, same thing will happen for us. And in the same way, what he's also saying here is he's saying that for the children of Israel, although many of them rejected, it's still God's plan was through Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, through the line of David, Jesus coming as the promised Jewish Messiah. So our faith is still rooted in historic Judaism. Judaism was the womb through which Jesus came. And don't miss the fact, Jesus actually didn't come to start a new religion. He came to fulfill an old one. We often don't think about it that way. Really, biblical Christianity is Messianic Judaism with Jesus as the Messiah. We don't ever think about it in that way. And so, but what's interesting about these verses, and I, and I think we, we need to talk about this because it happens, is that the Apostle Paul says a number of things on how the non-Jewish people should deal or should think about people who are Jewish who do not believe in Jesus. And really what he says in these verses is that, like, look at what it says in verse 20. It says, well said, because of unbelief, they were broken off, and you stand by faith. Do not be haughty, but fear. You know, and so the idea here is that for Gentiles, we should never look down on Jewish people who do not believe. We should never hate on them. We live in a world full of anti-Semitism. It's been around as long as the Jewish people have been on the earth, but it's on the rise again. I read it in the news that there was a, a report came from somebody in, I believe it was in London. They, they asked Jewish people not to wear yarmulkes because of the, the rise in anti-Semitic violence. You know, and, and unfortunately, one of the greatest hindrances to the gospel of Jesus amongst Jewish people is a history of persecution. And my friends, it ought not to be so among us. Because we realize who we are. Now, that does not mean that the nation of Israel, everything they do is right. It doesn't mean any of that. It just means we as believers should always hold a posture of humility in our hearts for people. For the Jewish people, because we realize that our Messiah came in the fulfillment of the Jewish scriptures. He's the Jewish Messiah. But for us, not only for the Jewish people, for all people, because we believe the radical gospel. And the gospel says that anybody, no matter how much sin they've committed, if they put their faith and trust in Jesus as the Messiah, they will be saved. So that means every single ethnic group, without exception, we look at the situations and we say to ourselves, 
Lord, although maybe they speak a different language, maybe they come from different customs, I'm just the same. I'm a person in need of saving. And what I've learned is that when we abide in Christ, we're able to do that. Because we begin to think with the mind of Christ. We begin to realize what's at stake here. We begin to look at somebody and we have a tendency maybe in our hearts to judge them. And Jesus says, actually, I took your judgment on the cross. That person bears my image, although fably flawed like you by sin. And I came on a rescue mission for them, just like I did for you. So all sorts of isms have no place in the body of Christ. Because of God's grace, because of his judgment. And what's interesting here, and these verses are challenging. Look what it says, verse 22. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God on those who fell severity, but toward you goodness, if you continue in his goodness. Otherwise, you will be cut off. Now, you notice what it says there, that God is both stern. The word severity means it's sternness, right? That you have to consider both God's goodness and his sternness or his severity. On those who did not continue in belief, they were cut off. They were discarded. They were separated from him. But on those who put their faith and trust in Jesus, God shows himself as good. Notice, if you continue in his goodness. That's why I said, be careful to abide. Yeah. Brothers, sisters, are you rooted in Christ right now? Because what I've learned is that in this journey of faith, like I, I love the fact that our founding pastor, Pastor Bill Ritchie and the team, they call this church Crossroads because at every moment of our life, we're all at a crossroads. You realize that. Every decision is a crossroads. You can go this way or that way. You can take this step or that step, right? And in each one of those, we have to make sure we take the step that is rooted in Christ. Because when we don't, you take enough steps that are not rooted in Christ and you go long enough you find yourself separated out. You find your life involved in all sorts of things you should never be involved in. And not everyone who says, I'm a Christian, finds themselves exactly where they're supposed to be. And guess what? All of us know what that's like, don't we? When you look back at your life, you're like, how did I get there? But then if you go back and you rewind the tape in your heart and you see where you've been, you're like, oh, I did this, 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 and this. And now, years down the road, look at where I am. So we want to make sure that we continue on in God's goodness. I like to call this the knobs on our side of the wall, right? My job is to abide because God has knobs on his side of the wall and God does a great job of tuning those knobs to kind of lock in the frequency. How many of you remember the old radios with the knobs before you had like the digital things? Those of you who are younger, you dig them too because everything retro is cool right now. If it's analog, you dig it, right? And so the idea is that like you want those knobs. And I remember, you know, as a kid, we used to have one of those old radios and we would tune it. And, you know, of course you had the, the you know, the tinfoil extensions and on the whole thing. So much fun. You're trying to get the thing. And I remember you want to get it tuned just right. I remember we had this one stereo that you, someone had to sit there and put their finger on. You know, because it's like there's something about like the, the extra human connection that really made that thing sound clear, right? And so God wants to tune. He's perfect at tuning the knobs on his side of the wall, but we have knobs on our side of the wall, don't we? Right? There's things that you get to choose every single day. And so I'm always saying, Lord, will you help me to simply respond to you with the knobs on my side of the wall? I can't control everything, but there are certain things that I have responsibility for. And Lord, I want to tune those knobs for the frequency of your kingdom. 
I want with the best within my ability to abide in you, Jesus, to be rooted in you. Because if I'm rooted in you, Jesus, I know that the life of your kingdom will be part of my life. But he doesn't make it and impose it on us. He invites us to respond to him. And so we want to make sure to be careful to abide. Now, the Apostle Paul wants to bring this all to a close. And, and this is really where I have two points left. But this really brings this whole discussion of what is God doing with the children of Israel right now. Look at what it says, verse 25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so... All Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob for this is my covenant with them that I will, when I take away their sins. Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers for the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so, these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. Here's the idea, my friends, it's quite simple, that God's not done Yet. God's not done yet. And that's not only true for the children of Israel, that's true for you and me. We like to say it here that we're all in process, right? And what that means is that God's not finished with you yet. God's doing a work. As long as you're here with breath in your lungs, God's got a work that He wants to do. I always love that saying when people say, Well, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. I'm like, That might be true of Bowser, but it's not true in God's kingdom. Because God is all about transforming people and he's not finished yet. See, what he says is, he, Paul says, look, the church room, I don't want you to be ignorant of this. This is a mystery. I don't want you to be wise in your own eyes, right? I don't want you to have your own opinion and be blind. He's like, listen, and this is so important, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. He's saying God's plan is to blind the children of Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles come in. And then notice what it says. And so all Israel will be saved. You see what it says there? God is saying that once the fullness of the Gentiles come in, God is going to bring a revival on the Jewish, ethnically Jewish people, unlike anything the world has ever seen. And in order to get at that, he makes two quotations. It's Isaiah 59 verses 20 and 21. And Isaiah 29, verse 9, the deliverer will come out of Zion. He will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins. And the apostle Paul is saying, listen, the prophet Isaiah is talking not only about when Jesus comes, but in those, that last day, something that we haven't even seen yet, when God pours out his spirit on the Jewish people in such a way that the Jewish people embrace Jesus as the Messiah. And there are so many prophecies about this. And we're already seeing the beginnings of it. You know, there's so many Jewish people who are coming to believe in Jesus as the Messiah. Now, they're still ethnically Jewish. That's the thing. It's like, you know, people make a big deal about this. In the end of the day, like, I'm Italian. I'm still ethnically Italian, right? But I believe in Jesus. And so when someone is Jewish, they believe in Jesus as the Messiah, they're still ethnically Jewish, but they believe in Jesus as the Messiah. 
right? And like they now, within Orthodox and conservative Judaism, they have, they call them anti-missionaries. And their whole thing is, why has more Jewish people come to know Jesus in the last 40 years than in the last, you know, 2,000 years? And they think it's because of bad education on the part of, of Jewish people. And it's like, no, no, no. That's happening because of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is calling people. He's drawing people. And not only is he doing it of the children of Israel, he's doing it of you and I as well. Right now, God is calling all of us. Some of us know his voice and we've responded to his voice and we say yes to him. And others of us, he's been calling to you. There's a sense that God is doing a work. I remember when I realized God was drawing me and I'm like, what is going on right now? I felt like I was in Star Wars with the tractor beam, you know? Like, it was like, I, I want to reverse, and I can't, and so I'm getting pulled closer, and, you know, and some of you feel that way right now, where it's like, you're like, I don't, I don't know that I want to believe in Jesus, but God's drawing you, because God's not done with you yet. God's doing the work. God knows exactly where you are, and he wants to do something. See, the apostle Paul tells them, God isn't done with Israel yet. The story continues, and Paul wrote this some 2,000 years ago. And notice what he says. He says in verse 28, concerning the gospel, they're enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Now, they're the enemies of the church in Rome because you got to realize at this juncture when Paul's writing it, the Jewish people were actively persecuting the church in Jerusalem. So this was a time when in the infancy of Christianity, the Jewish people were like the Apostle Paul would have been part of that group were imprisoning Christians. They were persecuting them. The Apostle Paul is going around to the non-Jewish church and he's collecting money because the, the church in Jerusalem was being starved to death. Their families were cutting them off because they believed in Jesus as the Messiah. So when he says that they're enemies for the sake of the gospel, that doesn't mean they're enemies forever. It just meant in that season in Israel, they were being actively persecuted by it. But he's like, but don't miss the fact Although the Jewish people were the enemies of the early church concerning election, they're chosen. They're part of what God is doing. Why? Because the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. That's what I want you to do. I want you to circle that verse in your Bible. Verse 29. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. In the King James, it says the gift and calling of God are without repentance, which are not turned away from. Do you realize that? What it's saying is that when God gives gifts and when God calls, God doesn't revoke those things. Sometimes there's lean years and strange years and things that go on that are not all that much fun, but God's gifts and callings are without repentance. He has a plan and he's executing a plan in the midst of it all. Jesus is God is executing a plan. It's the same plan he's had since the beginning of time. And your part in it hasn't changed either. You may not be able to see this plan, but as Pastor Daniel reminded you today, that doesn't mean it's not in action. There will be twists and turns to this life, but you are assured today that God is always in control. You can lean on him as he reveals your steps and ministers to people through you. Hey everybody, this is Pastor Daniel Fusco from Jesus Is Real Radio. I'm so excited about what Jesus is doing through this ministry to change lives and restore his people. Would you consider partnering with us as we continue to share the message of Jesus here on Jesus Is Real Radio? 
You can find out more and donate securely online at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for prayerfully considering this. I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I'm so stoked you're a listener of Jesus Is Real Radio, and I know Jesus has amazing plans for you. I'd love to hear the story of how God's working in your life. Give us a call here at Jesus Is Real Radio at 360-256-4655 or email me at real at danielfusco.com. Today's message ended Pastor Daniel's study in Romans called Plot Twist. This series revealed how God can change the story in an instant. He's never played by conventional rules, and he still doesn't mold himself to fit what society proclaims. God used unusual people to do great things throughout history and desires to use you right now to make waves in your world. Speak the truth of what Jesus has done in your life. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for another edition of Jesus is Real Radio.